They drove east through the desert towns, Hesperia to Victorville to Barstow to Yermo, past the dusty bed of Soda Lake, dry now, a ghostly crater waiting for rain. The route was familiar, a memory stored in his bones. The return trip, Sandy had driven in every condition, exhausted, panicked, blind, drunk, sick with shame. But the eastbound journey occurred always under controlled conditions. Lightning recap in A Place in the Sun by Jennifer Hay, a man makes a pilgrimage to Vegas and the blackjack tables. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. Welcome to Short Story Short Podcast. I am Christopher J. Garcia, a host of this podcast, along with the other host of this podcast. Whose name is Christy L. Baxter. Yes, and we've gotten classier this week for a very simple reason, because we read, and reading is what the upper class do, correct? Uh, so I've been told, yes. Uh, so, so I've been told, but they don't talk to me that much. <laughs> How do we class up the joint with what story this week? Hmm? We class up the joint with A Place in the Sun by Jennifer Hay. Jennifer Hay is a fantastic writer um, who writes a lot about this state I've heard of called Pensilvania. Uh, I've, I've only seen it spelled. That is exactly how a French dude at a clothing store in, in well, France uh, pronounced it. <laughs> <laughs> And here we actually get uh, a mention of a, is that in central Pennsylvania? Is that a, that coal country? <laughs> um, yeah, well, her book, um, I don't know about her other books, but I've read uh, The Baker Boys. And mm. um, it's, it's set in, you know, like a coal country kind of town in, in Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, it definitely has that, uh, that gritty feel. And then we can contrast that a lot with the, the, location in the present of the you know like LA and Las Vegas and these like much shinier more built up places so if you've read any of uh some of Jennifer Hayes other work you're familiar with the the town that she references uh, I think it's called Bakerstown um and uh it, it sort of feels like we're we're in one world here that she's created and I I love that that continuity Mm-hmm. And speaking of gritty, the only place that is grittier than, <laughs> than that is the road, which I think is Highway 15 between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, mm. where the story sort of opens or unfolds, I think is the better way to think of it. <laughs> because this is not a story about his present. It is not about 19, I think it's 1968. Uh, it is a story about the past and continuing to dwell in the past until he can get to the moment of now and at the end of course make a nod towards the future which Mm -hmm. act negates his now which is a really fascinating sort of thing we'll talk about because it's this is an ending that uh made me physically angry uh i felt like i was a bad person for being angry at the ending As a gambler myself, uh, not a 12-step gambler, I just like to play the ponies um, and cards and dice, and I'll bet on two raindrops going down a uh, (laughs) a windshield. Uh, All the instincts of the gambler are here and beautifully represented in the idea of 
I have to go and grind to pay rent, as sort of the thing goes. Except to him, it's a job. And the way he sort of flippantly looks at regular jobs makes you realize how important as a job his gambling is. Yeah, it seems like, it does seem like he, he, he tried to get out of this world before. There's definitely something in his history uh, a little dark and shady because there are certain places where he, he won't go back to because he's afraid that he'll be remembered. So you have that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's just also this idea that he's, he gave all this up. He said he was going to give all this up, mm-hmm. but he seems to have this ritual of coming back and, and they just like brief stints when he, when he really needs to, when he's low on funds, which I would argue that when you're low on funds is uh, the last time that you need to gamble. <laughs> yeah and i think this actually relates beautifully to one of the greatest television comedies of all time a show called lucky from fx uh starting i think with john quit um where he was a gambler who wants to stop being a gambler but the only way he can make a living is by gambling and it's a really lots of similar themes there um except for that's a comedy and this is not a comedy or is it or is it no it's not um it's it's, it's it's not that it's like dour or depressing or anything. Um, there's something, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can help me define this. Um, usually with short stories, I, I have a harder time sinking into them because every short story, you have to start fresh, you know? Whereas mm-hmm. with a novel, if you open it up and you've already been reading it, you're already in that world. So that's, that's why it's funny that I'm a co-host on a short story podcast. <laughs> that is uh amusing to me but i do read the short stories and i do get into them and i I know i'm going to have that slight hurdle you know usually this one boom i was in and my attention span has not been fantastic lately because um i'm in pain and medicating so (laughs) so yeah i was i was i was in there was no hopping over on the bluebird app there was no hey what's on my phone there was something about this, like this is a story with very little actual action, but there's something about the character and the writing. I don't know what it is. It just sucked me in uh, like like few stories have been able to do. I think there are a couple of reasons for that. And I noticed it very easy early on. One is you start out on the road going to where the meat of the story is going to be. And I think that is a very, very effective technique to drawing your reader into what is in essence a noir tinge character piece. Yeah. I think at the same time, what she does is she just uses such effective language to keep you in. And when Jennifer Hay is at her best, there are very few American writers who can approach the level of engagement. I mean, uh, Prue comes to mind uh, as another one working in a similar time frame that can absolutely do it. But here, I think one of the just brilliant aspects is this ability to give you an internalized voice that when it is externalized feels as if it is an edit of the thought. And I think that all put together to get you in it straight away and running. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. Every, it's, it's a combination of things. It's the totality of the evidence, or as they would say in you know, a, a criminal trial, which this is not, we're talking about short stories. I don't know why I always go there, but um, yeah, I think the moment, if I could pinpoint the moment, I think it was, uh, the route was familiar, a memory stored in his bones. Oh, I love that. Damn. And what we're given is 
some moments then once he is in Vegas of his interpersonal relationships, both past and present, and how present relationships, and I cannot remember her name for the life of me, Margie? Marnie. Marnie, um, who is a reflection of every fair, bad, and middling choice he's ever made. (laughs) And he constantly brings up Vera, of course, and, you know, she was clearly his great white buffalo. And that portion of the story is heartbreakingly recognizable to any male of Generation X, because we all have them. (laughs) (laughs) Each and every one of us. Yeah, there's there's this very interesting portrayal of two very different women. And uh, Jennifer Hay in her writing points it out, and the character of Sandy, he he notes it too, the, the, the absolute disparity between their two characters and attitudes and bearings and who they are as people. And I think it's really interesting because I do feel like um, Vera is very much analogous to the blackjack tables. She's mm-hmm. a gamble. She's a risk. You know, um, she's seductive. And, you know, she's someone he'll probably walk away from a dozen times saying he'll never go back and then he'll find himself back there. And so I really feel that it's interesting because you have that and then you have this work a day life of, you know, like nine to five or whatever, you know, or at least as close to as he can get working in a, you know, a bar or restaurants and stuff like that, working in food service. And this workaday kind of girl who, who's kind of simple and, and not, not in an insulting way. She's simple in a, she seems very, not very demanding um, and easy to understand. So she's like, like the complete opposite of Vera. Yeah. She is what the uh, screenwriters of the 2020s would call the cool girl. Uh, and I yes. think, yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's both kind of maddening how he treats her. But it's also when you sort of step back and look at it as this is his job he's doing, at least how he views it. And that's what makes the ending so infuriating to me (laughs) is that he did his job and then he negates everything he did uh, because of sentimentality. (laughs) Yeah, because because of the odds, (laughs) (laughs) which is really... It's true to character, I guess, you know, like he, he has a healthy respect for statistics and odds, even though they're running against him when he sits down at the blackjack table. And so when he sees this, you know, confluence of, of dates where, you know, his niece is born on his birthday, he, he decides apparently just to, man, he was up almost like 200%. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I am mad. And as I do feel like a bad person because, okay, you know, like her, the, the niece's parents can invest that. I could help her with college, which cost, I believe, $5 back then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like that is a very generous thing to do. And you don't want to look askance at somebody, but also when that same person is having trouble paying their own bills and has their, you know, like essentially their boss, you know, lending them $500 here and whatever there, which I should look up and see how much that is today. Because <laughs> I am a weirdo who does that. But that's six grand. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm looking it up anyhow because I need to. Because <laughs> uh, I have a key. <laughs> this is uh, this is my life. So, but you have this like this win and this doing your job well, and then he just to- throws it all away. But it's it's so true to character. He's not a financially stable person. He's not a person who's going to make the right decisions. And sometimes he's going to act on whims, whether those whims be you know sentimental or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem like, like every 
point where he's living in his regrets in so many ways. So obviously he's showing, you know, I made bad choices and suck it. Um, but I think really he then here makes a choice that is not only illogical, but it is incredibly short-sighted. So short-sighted, but at the same time, you know that this is the kind of man who's never actually ahead. Mm. You know, like it doesn't. It in a way, it almost like I, I was mad about it, but now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like it almost doesn't matter because, as we know, we know that he ended up with you know like Myron Gold, his boss, kind of like you know on his tail because of all the money he owed and because you know, <laughs> of Vera and everything. And you know, we we know kind of a little bit of what his future is, but we didn't even need Jennifer Hay to tell us that. We we just can see what kind of a guy he is straight from his actions. He's going to be the kind of guy who's always gambling on something. He needs it and uh, who never stays up. You know, he may get up, but he doesn't stay up financially because he always does something stupid. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of juice is this idea that, you know, it's, it's what we would call luck. But the way he applies it throughout the story, you can see that Marnie is the safe bet. Vera oh, yeah. is in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. It's kind of like that um, that comment he made about the different uh, approaches to 17 at the blackjack tables at, at different casinos and mm-hmm. how, you know, like some have a soft 17 or some, and the other, you know, the good ones have a rule that you, you I think it's that you don't hit on 17. I'm not good at blackjack, so I don't bother. <laughs> I make bad decisions too. <laughs> Well, it really depends on if it's uh, uh, black or red cards. That's really what makes a de- determination. Because if it's red cards, you uh, you don't do it. But if it's black cards, you do play them if you're on 17. It's a, it's a thing. Quantum physics is easy. I feel like, I feel like my leg is being pulled. But um, anyhow, uh, <laughs> sure, I'm just going to go ahead and pretend to believe you. But yeah. but yeah, so there's this this idea that, you know, one place is a safer bet because of the way it's structured, which is kind of like Marnie's a safer bet because of the way she exists. Yes. Um, one thing also about the form of the story is the the wide use of italics and the footnotes. In this case, the footnotes actually add to, well, I guess, technically end notes. Um they actually add nothing to the action of the story, but they do provide a more analytic approach to how the characters are thinking along the way. And I think that is what doing pull-asides and endnoting can actually do for you. You can go overboard with it, like in uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, uh, mm. or House of Leaves. <laughs> yeah which is basically footnotes with a story that just happens to be hanging under them. Um, <laughs> but the, the general form that she approaches this with, often where there'll be a quote from a character followed by the antithesis of the quote in uh, italics, that just worked really super well for me. Yeah, it sort of provided this almost self-awareness from, <laughs> from Sandy, this, it, which makes it all, all the sadder. it's not even that he doesn't know what he's doing and the mistakes that he's making and the bad decisions he's he's choosing he knows them he sees them but this is what he does so he does it anyway yeah this is a great story i really i really think this is one of the better ones we've we've read in a while because it's got a a beauty to it 
and it left me thinking and incredibly angry at Sandy, just angry. Yeah, same. I'm glad I'm not alone there. I felt like such a bad person. <laughs> like you shouldn't like look down on somebody for gifting a family member with a, a windfall, you know, especially as a, as a sentimental thing, but at the same time, pay your damn bill, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Hey, hey, Christy. Hey, hey, wait, I never told you how much money it is. Oh, how much is it? <laughs> okay, so 500 uh, in 1958 is 4,200 today uh, in 4,255 inflated worth. Um, so that's what he took to the casino. Well, he had the, the 220s from his one sister too. Um, and then, so basically what he gave, oh, are you ready to be angry? You, you could probably do the math on this in your head, but what he gave his niece was the equivalent inflated worth of almost $12,000 today. And that kid won't appreciate it. That just won't. I mean, it's an infant. They pretty much are just potatoes. <laughs> Cute potatoes, but potatoes nonetheless, as far as interaction and awareness are concerned. And that kid grew up to be a party DJ. <laughs> now I'm angry. Now <laughs> I'm angry. Okay, go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> hey, Christy. Yes. What are we going to read next week? Next week, we're going to read The Final Girl as a Middle-Aged Woman by Amber Sparks, which uh, I follow her on Twitter, which is how I became aware of the story. So it's recently out and we're getting into the spooky side. I haven't read it yet, but she said it was kind of like in the, in the theme of the season. Nice. Well, I am looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing next week. Hopefully uh, a little bit fewer drugs for me, but uh, maybe, maybe hopefully a lot more drugs for me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, just start washing down the Vicodin with a uh, whiskey. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was doing that already, but with wine, should I do both? <laughs> yes. Cause honestly, that's one we can go all the way back around. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll just circle right back. <laughs> and if we survive without rehab, this has been short story. Short podcast. Thank you.